Welcome to The Kingstonian, a podcast that profiles individuals who are passionate about what they do for a living, about what organization they belong to, or simply passionate about the community they are a part of. Hello there, and welcome. My name is Dave Cunningham. Like many other guitar players, our guest cut his teeth on the instrument in high school. These days, he feeds his passion by writing, performing, and helping the next generation of musicians find their instrument at the Joe Chitlin Music Instrument Lending Library. Here is our conversation with Tim Aylesworth. Tim, welcome to the program. It's great to be here. You are like a lot of other musicians in town that I have talked to. You began playing in high school? I sure did, yeah. Well, I started playing guitar when I was about 10 years old. And I read somewhere that you were using the Beatles songbook to learn. Absolutely. That's how I learned the chords. We had what we called the Beatle book at home, and it was this fantastic book of Beatles songs uh, for guitar. And that's how I learned to play F and B7th and all those great chords. How many people learn to play the guitar that way? I think a lot of people learn to play oh, guitar yeah. that way. I mean, the Beatles were great. They must have had a Mel Bay chord book because the chords they used were amazing. They were very sophisticated for their very time. Very much so, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So you learned how to play the guitar, so the first thing you want to do is find other people that you can play with. Now, tell us about the business of getting into playing in a band when you were in high school. Well, yeah. It was, I was a young guy, and I was in a crazy band. We called ourselves Random with some buddies. And we weren't very good, but we tried really hard. We actually enjoyed talking about the band more than playing, I think, because uh, <laughs> the actual playing wasn't that rewarding. We got fired from a few places. We were not very good, but but we tried hard, and uh, I did that for a while. And then I got married and had a family, and I didn't play that much music out. Uh, I certainly played for my kids and stuff, but that part of my life, there wasn't as much music. But now that my kids are grown and gone, it's all about music. Going back to high school mm -hmm. and getting into that particular milieu while you're playing in a band and you're trying to build a reputation around town, what's the thought process in the back of your mind? You know, how am I going to make this my life's work? How am yeah. I going to get paid to do this every day? Uh, I really had no clue. We didn't have a clue as a band. All we knew is that we liked to play rock and roll mm -hmm. and we wanted to play places. That's all we knew. And, uh, we didn't really know how how to go about it. We didn't go about it very well, but but we did have fun, and I, I learned a lot. I learned a bit about the business. But. There are some people who I've met and spoken with who spent a good portion of their life playing music, and they have made it their life's work in one way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. Other people like you who have gotten a day job and, and made money to pay the bills and mm -hmm. raise the family. Mm -hmm. um, so you get to a particular point where the kids have grown up, and now you want to make music uh, more dominant in your life. So. Mm. How did you decide where to go once you made that decision? Well, what happened was, and this was like back in 2002, uh, we heard of a new choir starting in town called Open Voices. And my wife said, let's go and check it out. And there was two big nights where people could go and check out the choir. And we discovered that we just loved singing. It was a great date night. We could go out on a Wednesday night and, and sing. So that was the beginning of my relationship with Open Voices, which has gone on for almost 20 years now. Mm -hmm. I've been their guitar player. I played drums. I've played bass. I've sang in the choir. I've been in front of the choir singing with them backing me. It was really a fantastic learning experience um, to learn how to perform because I really didn't know how to perform. I could play, but I couldn't perform very well. 
There are a few choirs around town, as mm-hmm. I've found. So there are some where you don't have to have any real experience to be a part of the choir. Mm-hmm. There are some, I gather, where you do. You have what we might call barbershop choirs, uh, male and female. And you have some all-female choirs. Now, Open Voices is a mixed choir, correct? Yes, non-additioned choir. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you don't have to know anything no, about it. No, you don't even know, have to, even know how to sing. You can just, just be part of the choir, yeah. But uh, I gather from reading something on their website is that once they reach a certain size, they sort of have to wait till somebody drops up because they don't want to get too big. Yeah, the choir... The choir movement here in Kingston is is pretty big, as you mentioned. There's a lot of choirs in town, and uh, a lot of people want to join. So that's pretty much it. Um, new members by attrition. If uh, somebody drops out, then a space opens up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so you rediscover the love of singing. Yes. And you decide to make a CD or two. I did. So these are songs that you've written? These are songs that I've written, yeah. I'm a, I am a songwriter, and I like to record my own music. Um, I've had a recording studio of sorts in my home for probably the last 12 or 13 years and it's just getting gotten bigger and bigger now it's taken over my entire basement so have you knocked any walls down yet or i did i knocked (laughs) (laughs) i did knock down a wall i did knock down a wall to make more space because now it's as i say my entire basement is pretty much recording studio at the moment yeah that's something i've found because uh, i gather that renting a recording studio is a costly venture it can be and so these days with all the software that is out there and the good quality microphones Mm -hmm. that most people can buy you can pretty well do your own thing you certainly can yeah you can i mean in the past where you'd have to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, now you can spend a couple thousand dollars and have a pretty good system like I have, mm-hmm. which really is, you know, I have an interface that I can record 10 tracks at once so I can do a whole band. And I've got some good microphones and some good software. There are some people who probably don't really have a good handle on how all of this works from mm-hmm. a technical perspective. Right. So without getting too technical, mm-hmm. when you talk about multiple tracks that you can mm-hmm. record on, the um, do you record all the tracks yourself? Do you play all the instruments? I do. When I record my own music, mm-hmm. having said that, I do have guests come in. Um, my son, Jesse, is a fantastic drummer. So if it's something that's too hard for me to play, I get him in to play it. <laughs> he's so, and same with my other son, Zachary. He's also an amazing guitar player. He's an amazing sort of metal guitar player. So if I want a, a really shreddy, fast solo, he's, he's, I'll call he's him. He's the guy to go. And I have other friends, too, who sing, who I've invited to sing harmony on some of my stuff. But it's pretty much myself. I, I kind of work alone. I'm a bit of a control freak when it comes to my own music. I know how I want it to sound. And uh, sometimes involving other people, you end up in a bit of a compromise situation. And I'm really not willing to do that with my music. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2005 was the first uh, CD? That's right. Yeah, I will. What kind of music was on there? It was pretty folky. Yeah, it was very acoustic-based. Uh, that's the kind of music I, I was into at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, my subsequent releases have sort of changed. My musical taste is very varied. I like everything from acoustic music to really heavy, heavy stuff. And I've sort of explored some of those different genres and some of the music that I've made. And I've certainly been influenced by some bands and just trying it out. Because to me, that's what music is about. Exploring, having fun, and creating something that some sound that didn't exist before. And that's the motivation for making a CD as opposed to making a lot of money off the sale of it. (laughs) I've certainly spent more money on music gear than I'll ever make. (laughs) 
<laughs> so I read somewhere where um, some of your influences were Jim Croce and Cat Stevens, James Taylor, that kind of folky pop uh, sound that was popular, what, back in the 70s and in 80s? In the 70s, yeah. Yeah, growing up, that was music that we listened to in our house. Uh, my parents loved Jim Croce in and I thank them for that. Yes. Yeah. You know, he was fantastic. Mm-hmm. We had those albums. We had Janice Ian albums. We had Beatles albums. He was very, very focused on this sort of songwriting type of, of, of groups right. and that sort of thing. So, Singer-songwriters. Singer-songwriters. And I was a huge fan of uh, Jim Croce's guitar player, Maury Molison. Okay. Who, who sadly died with Jim Croce when he died in the in the plane crash. Oh, in the plane crash. But yeah. he was probably my <clears throat> biggest influence on acoustic guitar playing because he was just a fantastic player. And that's something, there are all kinds of really good people out there playing guitar. And it's, I would imagine it's difficult for somebody to sort of set themselves apart. I guess it's just basically listening and other musicians saying, I like that guy, as yeah. opposed to that guy. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a lot to do with it. Uh, as you say, there's a lot of great guitar players and a lot of great guitar players in Kingston. Uh, I think mm-hmm. what it comes down to, you kind of... You get used to working with some people, and if you're, you know, easy to work with, that that really helps. People want to play with you, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Let's get to the uh, the technical side or the money side of making CDs in in your house. So you record most of it in your house because you I have do. the gear to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you get the CDs made? Like when you were doing it to start with back in 2005 or mm-hmm. 2007? Mm-hmm. Yeah, back in 2005, I did. I I went uh, through actually through uh, Westport, Dave Daw and Summit Sound. Okay, he, he did he did my first one for me. He mastered it. As well as uh, he sent it off to get the CDs made, that kind of thing through him. Subsequent ones, I found another place in Toronto that was a little bit cheaper that would do short runs, right? Uh, because someone like myself, I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna make a thousand CDs. I'm gonna make a hundred CDs. That was my next question: is and, how many do you make up at a time? Yeah. And the beauty about the new situation is that this, this other place is that uh, you can get as few as ten. You know. Oh really? Okay. Mm-hmm. And as I said, now I pretty much have abandoned the whole CD idea. It's all it's all online, digital. Now, when you were selling CDs or when you had CDs made up, mm-hmm. you would uh, just bring them to the gigs you were doing and sell them from the stage. That's true. I would do that. Okay. I also had a CD release concert. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had and sold some that way. You know, it was it was exciting. It was my first my first recorded project so a lot of a lot of my friends were interested and you know everybody supported me great mm-hmm. so that was that was pretty cool you've moved away from that you're doing everything mm-hmm. on digital mm-hmm. uh, which i would gather would make it a, a lot easier and cheaper yeah and cheaper to do For that sure. way mm-hmm. so you continue to do this music simply to get the music out Is yeah that it's it's fair assessment it's something i have to do mm-hmm. i can't not do it uh, i love i love playing uh, the last year I didn't write much. I had a year, but since Christmas, I'm all of a sudden I'm writing songs again. So it just comes out. The juices are flowing. Again. Yeah, and and you never know. You know, um, sometimes life gets in the way, and mm-hmm. sort of maybe it's sort of, you know, your creativity doesn't come out at that moment. But I think there's always something in the back of your brain, kind of working, and it, it comes out. When you are performing now, are you performing in a band or solo? Um, a lot of different ways. I have a solo act. And then, you know, I played a lot this summer. I played at wineries and um, breweries and bars by myself. Uh, I also do a duo with my friend Craig Jones where we play at different places. And we also have a band uh, where we put together a band. In fact, we just did a New Year's Eve event at the Curling Club. We put on a New Year's Eve show. Rock and roll dance party. So we Which rock Curling out. Club? The Royal Kingston Curling Club. 
That's the one on Days Road. The one on Days Road, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so we, uh, we it was the seventh year we did it, and as I say, we're a rock and roll band. We play Beatles and Rolling Stones and just you know great dance music. So yeah, so we've got these sort of I've got these sort of different iterations and different sort of repertoires depending on on what I'm doing for different sides for different for different venues and yeah. Does that involve dressing or makeup in a different way each time you do something different? No, no. <laughs> but I, but I was, I actually was in uh, a couple of musical shows. I, the Buddy Holly okay. story here was. Mm-hmm. T- we did two productions, and I was in both of them, and I did wear a lot of makeup <laughs> <laughs> during those shows. I was a cricket. Uh, oh, one of the crickets. One of the okay, crickets. Sorry. That's right. Were you the Will and Jennings character or somebody else? No, no. I was. I was a different character. I think my character was probably more of a sort of a combination of a few different people. Uh, okay. Uh, when the play was written. There's a project that you're doing now that's interesting. It's called Let's Make Music. Correct. Let's talk a bit about that. Yeah, Let's Make Music is great. I've been involved with them for almost two years. Um, what we do is we play music for folks uh, with special needs. Um, like for example, uh, this afternoon I played at one of the community living Kingston places where a large group of people, 20 people came in and I play them songs for an hour and get everybody singing. We also go into Anguanada and we have a location in, uh, the Spire on Sydenham street where we run groups. People come in and we play music, we dance, we just have fun. We just, it's sharing the joy of music and, and as, as you probably know, music has a huge healing power. Mm-hmm. And you know it just makes people happy. So it's it's a, it's rewarding and sometimes difficult. I'll say that from your perspective, mm-hmm. the difference between playing to a small crowd, whether it's in Anguanada or one of those places, or in a bar, mm-hmm. right? So in a bar, you, you hopefully will have more than twenty people. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> but the difference between. Mm-hmm. Bo- performing in both of those. Mm-hmm. Well, the difference is, I mean, when I'm playing for my for my clients at Let's Make Music, uh, you know, I'm very I'm very upbeat, very animated. It's fun, you know, fun. I'm silly, you know, making jokes. It's just about being a to- being totally entertaining and, and engaging mm-hmm. for the folks we're playing for. Um, with the playing, like in in bars and stuff, the focus is more on on the playing, the music. The songs I play, of course, are more complex and right. and, and different. So it's it's a it's a different feel. Having said that, I'm pretty good at being silly, pretty much anywhere I am. So <laughs> <laughs> it seems to me that some of these uh, small performance venues, if you talk about the ones that you're doing, well, let's mm-hmm. make music, mm-hmm. or some that folks are doing where they go into people's houses mm-hmm. and play to 10, 15, 20 people. Two people sometimes. That yeah. seems to be something that's on the upswing, or is that uh, just me not being in tune to what's going on? I'm, I'm not sure about that. I'm not sure about that. Uh, certainly, I know a lot of folks that are in sort of my generation, sort of middle-aged people that are in groups that are going into nursing homes and things like that. And of course, mm-hmm. the, the people I know are, are folks like from the choir that are that, that sing and love to share music. So, okay, uh, I can't I can't say for the general population, but certainly in my in my world, I'm seeing a lot more of that. Okay, yeah. I guess your day job mm-hmm. it still involves music. It does, and you are the manager. Is that your title? My title is library coordinator and administrator. Okay. Uh, Joe's Mill, the music instrument lending library here in town. Yeah. Now, there are some people who may not know who Joe Chitlin was. Mm-hmm. Well, Joe Chitlin was a, was a very popular and well-known Kingston musician who unfortunately passed away while on tour from anaphylactic shock. His good buddy, Wally High, uh, 
he knew Joe really well, and Joe always wanted loved the idea of sharing music. He said, "Wouldn't it be great if everybody had a chance to play music?" So Wally High took it upon himself to do something about it, and so he created what we call Joe's Mill, the Music Instrument Lending Library. Now, what kind of music was Joe Chitlin himself he involved? He played in? everything, mm-hmm. everything from jazz to pop to folk. He he did it all. If there was a place to play, Joe Chitlin was there with his bass playing the music. And sometimes he was playing the Some, big upright bass. Sometimes stand-up bass. And, yeah, we actually have um, four of Joe's instruments on display in the mill. And where is the mill? The mill is in the Tet Center. It's at 370 King Street. Okay. We're in sort of on the lower level. We're right beside the Isabel Bader Center. So we talked about how it got started. What's mm. the philosophy of the library itself? The idea behind Joe's mill is is really to share, uh, to, to put instruments in the hand of as many people as possible to to share the joy of music that's really what we're about is a lot of what we do is you know for children we have Mm -hmm. we have uh, children can take an instrument out and keep that same instrument for the whole school year they simply have to bring it in for a check every month Mm -hmm. and so a lot of kids otherwise wouldn't have access to an instrument to play but because of Joe's Mill, they do. And their parents don't have to buy anything. They don't have to spend hundreds of dollars to buy a, a brass instrument where they can come to Joe's Mill and get it for free. So you don't teach people how to play? We don't teach people how to play. We currently don't. It, it's, it is part of our, our mission. It is something that we're looking at. Is to do more of that sort of outreach. Tell us a mm-hmm. little bit about the uh, children, particularly who come in mm-hmm. to get some of these instruments. And do you have any stories about what kind of impact it's had on them? Oh, it's it's really cute. I, I love it when the little kids come in. It, it, it's really fun. It's, How little are we talking? Uh, you know, everything from you know three years old and up. I mean, they they come in and usually you know a first inst- maybe they're looking for a ukulele because they want something that's a great instrument to start. And we've got tons of ukuleles, so. I love it when they come in. You know, we show them. They love. We have all these drums. It's a fantastic place for kids. We've got drums that they can beat on, and they have lots of little little things they can play with with their little fingers. And so, now do they pay to rent these? We have How a does that f- work? we have a fifteen dollar membership fee, and that's good for one year. So once you pay your fifteen dollars, you can borrow an instrument. You're good to go. You're you're good to go. And so they can rent all sorts of different instruments. Also, yeah, we have everything from as you would expect guitars and basses to brass instruments to to some pretty unusual sort of ethnic instruments like, you know, kopichons and things from China, things that you've never heard of before, ukulins. Now, where do you get all these instruments? Donated. Virtually all of our instruments are donated. We do, occasionally we will buy an instrument, but almost always they are donated by generous people. And these would come from donations from folks in town or do you get them from out of town as well? Mainly from around Kingston. I mean, we service sort of a 50 kilometer radius here in town. But uh, we have had instruments that have, have been sent to us. But mainly as people come in, they'll come in with a guitar. Often it's, you know, maybe it's a, maybe someone's passed away and they want to donate it in memoriam, memorial to somebody. Mm-hmm. Or oftentimes maybe their, maybe their child had an instrument growing up, they've moved on, they don't play anymore, and they've got this guitar sitting in the closet. Right. And uh, we, we really appreciate those, those gifts. Now, in addition from the donation of instruments, you also have had a lot of support from the community. We certainly over, have. It's almost 20 years since this library was established. We have. We've had great support. Um, homegrown, the Homegrown Festival has been a great supporter of ours. Um, we have an annual uh, Jam for Joe, which is a fundraiser that we have at the RCHA. This past weekend, some friends of mine put on a fundraiser for Joe's Mill, the Kitchen Gypsies and the Martello Alicats, two fantastic groups. 
and they put on a show at the brew pub and decided to make it an event to support the mill. So almost six hundred dollars. That's great. So so yeah, we we can't complain. We're very well supported by this community. Now, did I read somewhere where you have expanded to move into Bath, or is that well? It's it, that's technically not part of our operation. We right. our board member Bon Evans, local oh. musician who everybody knows, um, he he sort of initiated this project to put some instruments in the Bath Mill so that some of those folks can borrow. Mm-hmm. So what we did at the mill is we helped by putting some instruments on permanent loan to them. So I put together a package of instruments and said, "Here's your sort of starter kit to get right. going." We've done a similar thing for a lending library that's going to be opening in Brockville. Again, we we share the wealth because we've been very fortunate, very lucky to have so many great donations. So we share whenever possible. Having said that, they're not technically part of our organization. Right. Yeah. So just to give people an idea, so mm-hmm. how many instruments would be in the library? Well, we have roughly a thousand instruments, uh, many of which, of course, are out in the community at any given time because they're they've been bored. But about a thousand instruments, roughly, we do roughly seven thousand. Last year, we did about seven thousand transaction loans transactions, which is huge. That's great. And it's getting busier all the time, which is great. People are getting to know us, and our location is good too because we're. We're sort of right on the thoroughfare in the uh, in the Tet Center, so people walk by and they walk in and think it's a music store. And I go, no, none of this is for sale. It's a library. It's a library. Yeah. Before we started recording, I was mentioning the fact that I found out in the last uh, two or three years since I've been doing this show and talking to all sorts of different musicians and going out to more uh, music events than I have normally done is that there is so much talent around town. So if you've got 7,000 transactions, then you are encouraging another chunk of people to move up the line to to learn how to express themselves Mm -hmm. musically. So that's... That's got to mean a lot of positive energy for the Kingston music scene. It, it yeah, it, it, it certainly does, and we we support whenever we can. You know, we we lend. You know, schools come to us, and we'll uh, we'll lend twenty by twenty ukuleles at a time for a ukulele mm-hmm. class. So, and I found that a lot of musicians in town tend to like to work with each other in different kinds of combinations. You alluded to that fact with your own particular mm-hmm. performance schedule, yeah, where you do solo stuff and mm-hmm. duo stuff and band stuff and. It just keeps the juices flowing in your it own head. It does. It's always fun to play with different different people. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about where you're going in mm-hmm. the not-too-distant future mm-hmm. in terms of um, taking your music. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it seems I'm working on a new album um, because I'm writing songs. They're coming out. Um, I've recorded two songs so far for a new project. So I have an opener and I have a closer. <laughs> so all I have to do is write eight or nine ones to put in the middle. To put in the middle. <laughs> I have a lot of I have a lot of ideas. Of course, with songwriting, I think a lot of songwriters will tell you the inspiration sometimes comes fairly easy. Mm-hmm. Finishing it is the hard part. That's that's, right. that's the work part. That's Taking the, the inspiration and putting it down on paper. That's or the on. sort of the craftsman part of it yeah. is is putting it together and finishing it. So and you're not putting it on tape anymore. You're putting it's it pure, on. It's all digital on the computer thing. Yeah. Um, There's the age talking there. Uh, We are just about at the end of the program, and I want to thank you very much for coming in and talking with us about your own career and about Mm -hmm. open voices and Mm -hmm. let's make music and the plans you have going forward Mm -hmm. for some of your music. And Mm -hmm. uh, I'm pretty lucky right now. I'm I'm able to, you know, I have a pension. I worked for Empire Life for many, many years. And so I have a pension, and now I have a retirement job. Which is great. It's perfect. It's perfect. Excellent. (laughs) Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much for having me, Dave.
theme music for the program is Stasis Oasis, a tune written and performed by Kingston musician Tim Aylesworth. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions about any of our episodes, please send a note to the Kingstonian Podcast Facebook page. This is Dave Cunningham from Kingston, Ontario. Thank you for listening. Until next time.